Good morning, good morning. It is Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. And my name is Wanda. I go by Salty Coffee on all of my platforms. And today I just wanted to introduce myself to Wisdom. Um, mostly because I'm new. This is my first talk. I am, even though I am a podcaster, I'm really not um, in my own personal opinion. I'm not a professional professional. I'm still in the learning process. And so far, so good. And most of the information that I've known and gone to learn is through other people within the networking and podcasting world. Um, I, I originally decided to do a podcast um, during COVID. I mean, the idea was there always, but with the intentions and a purpose. And the intentions were, uh, it, it turned out that I work, well, it doesn't turn out, I do work for university for 32 years. And within the 32 years, I've always had, you know, outside gigs to make extra money. I've always um, been an activist, uh, organizer for a union. And while many people work every day, get up and go work every day, whether that's for their family or their personal goals, we have been conditioned. Um, to a system that if you don't work and make money, you're really um, out of luck or you're just not going to be able to function like everyone else. So I started working at this university at the age of 19, turning 20. And I, I started working there uh, because uh, my mom had passed away when I was 19. And I can get into that story later on. But my mom passed away from an overdose of anesthesia. And at that point, I was pretty much homeless and familyless. Uh, so she's the only person within the family unit who moved to, who migrated to the United States from a, fa a large family. Um, all of her siblings were professionals in their own country. But my mom passed away um, when I was 19, my first year of college. And I have to say, she did give me the tools and, and what I needed to pretty much know how the system works and what's available for me out there or what's not available. And one thing that I did learn um, that still sticks to me every day is that you know, people can say they're your friends, people can say they're your family, uh, but most of the time when, like we, some of us say when shit hits the fan, <laughs> um, people are not really there for you like you would have thought they would be. And, and I'm not talking about money or finances, I'm just talking about simple resources. When my mom passed away, there were strangers who actually helped me more 
than my own family. Um, and I have to say that that hurts just saying it, you know. Um, but needless to say, where I work at now, which is a private nonprofit organization, uh, for 32 years, there was no internet, there was no World Wide Web. Um, we had a typewriter, <laughs> we had faxes. Uh, I, did we have, no, we didn't have faxes. We had a typewriter and a copy machine. And you would have thought with the with the money, because the institution I work for has a large endowment, um, but I, I did, I was initiated by people who worked there already, who really had wisdom and knowledge about what to look forward in the next maybe 20 or 30 years. And I have to say, if I would have not listened to these folks at my job who were already uh, about to retire, I wouldn't be able to retire now at 55. And, it and I say that I worked there for 32 years, it was not easy. It's, it wasn't. But because I have two daughters, a family, I had to make it the best. And I think that's one of the things that we will never see this ever again. People saying they worked at a place for 30 years, unless they really own their own business and they're entrepreneurs, we will, I don't think I will be alive to hear a young person say, oh, I've been working there for 32 years. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. You never know. And when I first started working there, I knew nothing about where I was working. I didn't even know it was an Ivy League school. I didn't know that unions existed. I, and, I'm, and I'm 19 years old. I didn't know any of this. Um, all I knew was that you get an education so that you can get a good job. And you get a good job so that you can live supposedly happy. <laughs> and you live happy because that's just how life works. And, and you know, <laughs> my mother came to this country with an American dream. And, you know, we all know how that goes for some of us. Um, sometimes the American dream is could be a nightmare. But it's all how you see your life and, and the perspective that you bring. To your life. I had many opportunities to go the wrong way. I really did. I was living, uh, my teenage years was during the crack era in New York City and crime and drug, drugs was really big in the 80s. And to this day, I don't know how I survived it, but I did. I steered away from all of that, even when I didn't have anyone after my mom passed away. I tried to continue to go to college, but at that point, I really needed to work full time so that I can at least go somewhere where I can, you know, pay for my own rent or, you know, pay for my transportation to go to work. So I think I. I never really got to mourn my mom's death 
around that time. It wasn't, it wasn't until like maybe 15 years later that I really felt it. Um, but it's, it's a survival tactic that we tend to, um, inherit if, if, if you will, um, from our parents, you know, that life is always going to be a struggle in life. You have to struggle. If you don't struggle, you're, you're nobody, you know, um, not all of us are fortunate enough to, um, be born into wealth, you know, and even I learned that even when you do see or meet people who are wealthy, are they really happy? Are they content? Yeah, they could be with the things that they have, but there's nothing more beautiful than having your parents or your family. So for people who, you know, dislike or when they say something bad about their parents, I really look at them like, wow, you don't know how fortunate you are that you were able to call your parent, let alone be angry or be upset that they're calling you every five minutes. <laughs> but going back to how I started working um, at this uh, institution with a large endowment 32 years ago, um, we, we had to, it's funny because we really had to take um, we had to take a math exam, depending on the position. That's how it used to be to apply for work, right? We had to take a typing test. We had to take a comprehension test. We had to, and the typing test included that uh, they gave you a scenario and you had to respond to that either inquiry or question that a customer or a student may have. I thought that was pretty interesting, um, but at 19, you know, people are like, wow, she's applying for a job here. And I didn't know anything about benefits. I didn't know anything about savings bonds. I didn't know any of that when I was 19 or 20, never learned that. I mean, I think at some point I learned it in school, but it really didn't matter because <laughs> for me, it didn't, um, cause I was already making. Um, when I was like 10 years old, I was already making $150 by tutoring kids and helping them with their homework within my community, my, what they call my block. Because <laughs> in New York City, you know, there's blocks, meaning like a series of places that has a number of buildings within one block. So I grew up on 157th Street. You have 158th, 159th, 160th, and you know your parents will tell you, well, you can't go past, you know, X amount of blocks. Uh, 20, 21 to 22 blocks in New York City is a mile. So we were already, you know, taught at a very young age that you don't go past, you know, certain miles. <laughs> um, and and for safety purposes, of course. Um, but yeah, so I started working at this place 32 years ago and I knew nothing about benefits or anything. But before even I started working there, I used to work for retail. And when the retail industry, that was also, you know, 
something that I was very good at. Um, the managers, I, I started um, floor, you know, like where you fix the clothes and put them in order, you know, short sleeves, no sleeves, et cetera, to uh, doing inventory, to then becoming a cashier, to then becoming a head cashier. And then, um, and I hated working at the cashier at the register because I hated counting money. That wasn't mine. I just, I just had this thing about it. Like, oh my God, what would happen if I'm short a dollar? And like, stop worrying, you know, I, but I, I never wanted to be over or under. So that was just, you know, crazy uh, to think that way at 19. But, um, yes, yeah, so I worked there and then I kept applying, um, through friends that I met after my mom passed away who were very influential and helpful to me to make sure that I make it, that they really genuinely cared about me. And to this day, I always, you know, mention them wherever I go. But I did end up uh, getting thrown out of my house uh, from family member and I was speaking to a friend and she spoke to another friend who their parents rented out or subletted their space. So I rented out a room. I got the job. I, I remember making, what was it? I think minimum wage back then was like two fifty an hour. And I remember going from like two fifty an hour to maybe three something. I can't really remember, but I do know that when I started the new job at this institution that I work still work for to this day, I was going to be making $14,000 a year. That was in 1990. So I was going to be making $14,000 a year with full healthcare benefits, with uh, pharmaceutical benefits, dental insurance, um, health insurance, uh, retirement, um, they matched, you know, well, they didn't match. They gave you a percentage depending on the number of years. I had a contractual agreement, which what we call a CDA. And uh, what else? Oh, educational. I can go to that institution for free. Um, I didn't have any children then, but they did have this benefit where they can pay for childcare for you. So that's a big jump. That's a huge jump from going to, from retail into what I consider a real job <laughs> with benefits, a, a, a job that provided an actual living wage. Um, because let me tell you, when I was working at the retail and my mom passed away, I didn't have money to go to and from work, right? And one of my um, episodes on my Salty Coffee podcast is The Lost Token. Um, if you get a chance, go into the website, www.saltycoffeepodcast.com and look for The Lost Token episode because I had those tokens are like what we call today the Metro card but um i think they were maybe 50 cents round trip or one one way 50 cents at that time 
And man, I, I took my two tokens to work that day. And I lost my token coming to come back home. And instead of hopping the train or what we what we call hopping the train, hopping the train is the when you hop over the turnstile. And instead of asking someone for money or I freaking walked that damn thing. <laughs> I walked all the way from Chamber Street, which is close to ground zero, to Washington Heights, which is more. I can't remember what it said, but it was more than eight to nine miles, something like that. But needless to say, that was crazy. And I remember I used to bring with me a dollar fifty for my lunch. So the dollar fifty back in nineteen ninety, I was able to get a full like Chinese, you know, a Chinese restaurant, which they gave you like this plate full of rice, full of chicken. And I don't even remember, and an egg roll maybe, but I used to use that dollar fifty, plus my token, for the entire day. So when I would buy that lunch, because it was so much, and I was very small back then in 1990, I would split that lunch in half and bring the other half home. And the reason I'm telling you this is because when I started working where I work at now, um, they had people to help you. With financial literacy, they they took it upon themselves to take the time out of their working hours to help, you know, the new generation and people that were coming in new to understand financial literacy, like to really understand the benefits of working there. And his name is Arthur Mack, and Arthur Mack was at the time maybe late 40s and he was about to retire soon. I was 20 years old, 19 turning 20. And he sat with me um, and everybody, everybody was like, you have to go to Arthur Mack, you know, after orientation, make sure you go to Arthur Mack. And I was like, okay, well, if everybody else is telling me to go to Arthur Mack, maybe I should go to Arthur Mack. And so I went to Arthur Mack and he sat with me. Mind you, this is 1990. I was 20 years old. And he said, tell me, um, how much did you make before you work here? And I'm like, okay, now he's being nosy. <laughs> what does he want to know about me? And, you know, what I do and what's going on here? And, and that goes with being a New Yorker, really. But I felt comfortable enough because he did tell me Every little thing that he told me, he told me why he was asking. He said, I'm asking you these questions because I want to know that you will be ready within the next two, 10 years, five years to 10 years to understand what it is that you're doing while working here, to understand the benefits of why you're working here. Once you pass probation, I'm going to tell you what a lot of people don't tell younger people and what a lot of younger people don't listen to the elderly with the knowledge of what I'm about to tell you today. And it wasn't a scheme. It wasn't like a, what's that called? A pyramid scheme. It wasn't anything like that at all. I didn't feel that. Um, but he did. He sat down and told me about all of the benefits 
that were provided to me at that job at that time and how to start thinking differently when it came to spending money and budgeting and saving money. So he sat down and he said, so you signed this paper here and this is for your retirement. Do you even know what retirement is? Cause I know you're 20 years old. So you're probably not even thinking about that because you're like 20, like who's thinking about retiring? Like, are you crazy? So <laughs> those are not verbatim, but he did say it in that way, you know, like, oh, yeah, no. but he didn't make it seem like I was stupid or that I didn't know because I was young. He just based, I guess, from experience on his end, he made it, you know, comfortable enough for me to still sit there and listen, which I did. So he sat there and told me about how um, the retirement plan. So he gave me several options. And this is, this is the way he showed me and told me that I knew it was going to work for me. And I, and I appreciated that because he knew that I was already in a situation where I had no parents. I had really no family. And I needed to just, you know, now that I had no children and I was 20, that I was able to really do it and, and figure it out and keep it in mind with every step that I made or brought in to um, at least my household. So he said, you know, if you were working at retail and you were making less than $14,000, you're going to still live for at least the next five years, how you've been living as a retail person. Now that you're making $14,000, that doesn't mean that you move to a bigger place. It doesn't mean that you get out from your situation. That just means that you're now gonna think about money differently. And I thought about that. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like I'm living in a shared space. Like, does he want me to live there for, for like five years? Like, what was the point of getting this job? And, but thinking back now, I was like, man, he really made a lot of sense because I did do it. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't get into a relationship. I didn't, you know, I, I was just like making sure that I've made enough money. Like he said, to put it to the side, he told me, don't have a savings account. You don't want a savings account. And I was like, what the heck? And I asked him, so what do I do in case of an emergency? He said, that's what I'm going to tell you. So he showed me step-by-step step on the investments that are put in for the retirement that was provided from my employer. And, you know, he also gave me recommendations and suggestions on how to save money. Back then, I don't know if it still exists anymore, but back then, you can purchase savings bonds. And he told me, he said, I know you don't have children, but someday you will. You should start spending at least $100 a month or per paycheck to purchase savings bonds. And what that's going to do is that you're actually lending money to the state or the federal government, and it will grow into more money later on. So a 20, I believe it was, you pay $25 
for $50 savings bonds. So that was it for me. When he said that, and I was like, oh, this is going to pay for my children's college. When they get older, that's what I want to do. So I actually purchased savings bonds for each check that I got. Um, I always wanted to have one child, but, you know, that changed during my marriage. And I had two two daughters. I have two daughters. And they're beautiful. And they're 26 and 30. And I have to tell you, those savings bonds saved me. <laughs> savings bonds. Like, that to me is like a savior. Um, because when my first, my, my oldest daughter went to college, I was able to pay for her community college uh, full, in full cash uh, with the savings bonds. Um, again, I don't know how they do it. It's through the treasury department now. And I do know that I own some because uh, everything is online. Now you don't go to a bank anymore um, and cash them out. But yeah, so I did that. And aside from that, he also said, you know, when you have... Uh, this retirement plan, which back then I had Vanguard and I had a TIA craft. The Vanguard, um, what he suggested was the, the your, your employer is going to give you a percentage based on your grade of your level of your work and or your salary. And then what you should do is match that. So let's say, for instance, in 1990, the, my employer was giving me 2% of my salary, he recommended that I also include it in separately on a, a, a different account and match the 2%. He said, instead of you putting money into savings, you want to put it into this retirement plan because what they do is they put it in a portfolio that your money will grow. And I'm telling you, uh, looking at the growth of it, um, it did. <laughs> it, it literally it did. Um, it grows faster, and you get more for your money than um, say a savings account, or back then what we used to consider a CD. But um, or even now, do they even have CDs anymore? I don't even know. I haven't been to a bank in years. <laughs> I don't even know what they do anymore. But um, so, yes. So 32 years ago, when I started working there, and Arthur Mack gave me the tools and the financial, and, and at a level that you didn't require a, a master's degree or a business degree or a finance degree, that it didn't require all of that. It just required listening to someone who was experienced in doing what he did for his family, you know? And so that's what I pretty much do now. Like I help the younger uh, people who come in. And although it's very different now because we have cryptocurrency, we have Bitcoins, um, it's, not traditional it's something new still but if if i could have someone um who is very knowledgeable about bitcoins and crypto 
you know, I would do the same thing for, for the younger folks who are coming in in the work field, in the workforce. But the one thing that I appreciate is that I can now at 52 sit here and show, like literally show my portfolio to someone and say, this is how you can do it. I, I don't know if I can though, um, but I can show them that this is how I did it for 32 years. And while some young people may say, oh my God, you worked there 32 years, I'm only 25 and <laughs> the math is a lot. I got a lot of young people or they'll look at me like, oh my God, you're 52? You look so young, you sound so young. So going, <laughs> getting back into when I started working there, you know, I pretty much grew at my job. Like that, that to me, I always felt like if I lost my job or it's like losing a, a person that I love, you know, and I had to go to therapy a lot for that because, um, I was, I, I've experienced a lot of, um, sadness within that place. Right. But I also gained all of the skills and all of the the knowledge when it comes to finances and educational, higher education, you know, what that really means. And I will be talking about that subject a lot. Um, you know, would I do it all over again? The question would be, will I do it all over again in the way that I did it? Knowing what I know now, probably you know, probably sometimes we weren't meant to know everything. Sometimes we are not um, equipped to really know everything. A life to me is a learning process. Every day, every minute, you should be learning something new, whether that be a language, whether that be a skill, to enhance a skill, I think we all need to learn something every day. Um, I teach a Spanish class, basic Spanish, with um, my co-host Icon, who is also on Wisdom and new to Wisdom. And you know, I tell people all the time who say. Oh my God, I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I took it in school and that was it. And I, I have to get back to it. You know, you could sit there and say you wanted to do something and learn something. But me as a podcaster or as an influential person or giving you the inspiration or, you know, and I could sit here, oh, I'm an inspirational podcaster, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really doesn't really mean much if the people you are talking to are not going to take that initiative. Just like when Arthur Mack was sitting with me, he took his time. He volunteered his time. And he would tell me, he said, you know, I know, I know at 20 years old, none of this makes sense to you. I know that, but I'm telling you, it's going to work. 
and please trust me because it will work. And he was right. He was right. If, if I hadn't, if I had, you know, working from retail, making two fifty an hour, going to $14,000 an hour, a year, $14,000 a year with benefits, because I went from retail where everything is hourly and your schedule changes every day and you never know if you're going to work weekends to having a CBA, a contractual bargaining agreement, to having a, a group of people who collectively think the same, to having benefits, what what we used to call back then fringe benefits, whatever, um, to having people that support you, to having people who take time, their time to volunteer, to sit with me, little old me from the hood um, in Washington Heights, who didn't even have people around me to support me or teach me or even tell me about college. That was something that, you know, my mom was just like, you have to go to college, you have to. But even she didn't know what that was. You know, she just knew that that's the place where people went to do better for themselves. And that's what she wanted, you know. And, yeah, so I sat there with Arthur Mack and I listened and I followed what we call the elderly and people with wisdom and people with knowledge and people with skills. You know, I don't have to sit here. You don't have to sit here and listen to me. I don't have to sit here this morning on my vacation day <laughs> to tell you this story, but I think it's important for us to share because um, I never know who's listening. I never know who's really out there in their 20s, lost their parent, their only parent, and doesn't know what to do because they never had anyone to other than their parent to love them and care for them. You know, my mom, man, when I was younger, my mom would, <laughs> God bless her, but she would make us wash walls. Like, think about it. If you told your children today, well, you know, you got to wash walls. Like, before you do anything on a Saturday morning, this house has to be immaculate, right? We have people today that hire people to do this stuff, right? Um, because either we did it or we grew up knowing that it's someone you pay for to do it. But man, my mom was like, and, and I never said, damn, why, why am I doing this? Like what? No, I, weird, weird enough. I understood it. I understood that she's teaching me that this is, the way of life. This is what people do, right? Because as a kid, as a Latino kid, you don't question your parents. You just do. That's what told, right? And and for those who are listening, who are in their fifties, you get you get me, right? You understand what I'm saying? You don't question your parents, you know. But I overheard someone talk about that they're going to have a show about parenting and if our parents did the right thing or if they didn't know. But I'm telling you, my mom migrated to this country by herself. Um, she married my, my father and 
they really didn't know what they were doing or they just felt like they just needed a way out for something better for their children, right? And that's what we all want for our children. We want them to be better. We want them to do better, right? But washing walls, you know what that taught me? Every Saturday when you get up, all right, so Monday to Friday, you go to school, do what you got to do, right? How is it that at 10 years old, I was making $150 a week cash and would give the entire $150 cash to my mom? Do, do you really think kids today would do that? Kids today would not do that for a hot minute. <laughs> because the incentive to them would be, Oh no, I'm making this money and it's for me. And I overheard in another podcast that if you're in California and you're a kid and you're a minor and you're making money, you have to give 90% of that to your parents. And I thought that was insane. <laughs> but then again, I thought, yeah, you're right. You should be giving 90% to your parents because why are you even working or making money? But I guess that's a celebrity thing or Hollywood thing. But going back to my mom, thinking back of the things that she had us do before we even get up, you know, washing walls on weekends, taking everything out of the cupboards, right, to to do the relining of the the bottom part, because she would go food shopping, and then when she would come back, I had to put all the cans where they belong. <laughs> she had, there was a method to her madness, but I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate it because working for a place for 32 years, waking up every day, nine to five, Monday to Friday, enhancing my skills while I'm at it, you know, because I always went to school. I always worked a, a second and third gig. Like there was a time where things were very tight, <laughs> very tight, where I had to work three jobs. I had to work there full time. I had to work, you know, to just make extra money. You know, that's the New York way of living. And then, you know, things calmed down a little bit more uh, later on after I got my degree. Um, and and people people misunderstand getting a degree you know sometimes if you're in a place where um getting a degree equals making more money sometimes that is not the truth sometimes getting a degree just gives you the knowledge more knowledge and the skills of what you're doing right of what you're currently doing at your place of employment. For me, um, I saw a lot of injustices, and I still do, where I work at. And I took it upon myself to get a degree in urban and labor studies because I wanted to know what benefits really were I, I was entitled to. And sometimes, you know, Although it didn't make me more money, it gained me the respect and 
gratitude because I volunteered a lot of hours with activism. I mean, a lot of hours within organizing within the organization for our union, within um, just speaking to family members about, you know, the importance of going to college and what does that mean? Because sometimes going to college, you're just learning things that sometimes you really don't want to know. And once you obtain that knowledge and, and it's facts and you go back to your family and you talk to them about it, they're looking at you like you're crazy. They're like, wait a minute, what? What's wrong with you? You know, but that's life. Some people refuse to think critically. Some people refuse to think logically. But when you listen to people who have lived what they lived, you either like learn from it and not want to do it or learn from it and want to do it. So I'm telling you, I'm here at 52 years old because I listened to Arthur Mack back in 1990, where he sat with me and showed me how to invest, how to live within my means, how to not spend money carelessly. I can retire at 55 comfortably, even with all of the chaos that's going on right now within the market, within, you know, post-COVID. Living in New York City is not easy. We've been through September 11. We've been through many hurricanes, Hurricane Sandy one. And now post-COVID. There are more people now moving into New York because New York has the jobs and the academic higher education. So why did I go to college, right? Mind you, my union paid for my college degree. So that's something to think about too. If if you don't have the means or the money to send your children to school and you have to take a loan, don't do it. Don't do it. It's, it's just my thing, right? It's just my opinion. You do what you got to do when you know what's best for your children because only you know your children. But if I had to be the author Mac for someone young today, I would say look at those benefits that you're being given. Or if you want to be an entrepreneur, right, work with someone in your family where you can do it together, where you can sit down and, and say, hey, you know, this is what we have. How can we make it grow? How can we sit here and really make it grow for us? And you start with your family and you extend it to your community. Arthur Mack, to me, was my father, my godfather. He was a person that I didn't know anything about this man. I didn't know if he was married. I didn't know if he had kids. I didn't know anything of that. And 32 years later, I'm still talking about him. That's amazing. And that's what I want to be for someone else who I sit with in real life, in real time, and say, hey, what you doing? 
why are you spending all this money on sponsoring someone else? Why did you buy that name brand item? Are you getting paid? Speaking of Arthur Mac, <laughs> this is how crazy I was when I was 20 years old and how naive or my mind was where when it came to like branding or anything like that. I didn't know any of that 32 years ago. But um, I'm sitting down, right? And I'm, I'm working at this place, new, I'm young, right? new. I was a, a, what they call a key control clerk, right? And this is the person who handles all the keys for all the buildings, you know, inventory, making sure the locks were changed, whatever, right? And at that time it was about 3,200 keys in total for all the buildings. And I was sitting down and there was this lady who did the maintenance control clerk, right? So I was the key control clerk. She was the maintenance control clerk. I'm 20 years old, right? 20 years old. And I come into work <laughs> with a t-shirt that says Marlboro on it. And for those of you who don't know what Marlboro is, Marlboro is a, a cigarette company. And back in the days, they used to have these expos, you know, these company expos. And they used to come into little, you know, cities like New York City. And I was, I, I was a dancer, professional dancer for folklore. And we used to perform in these expos. And I'm sitting there at work, right, with my Marlboro t-shirt. This woman had a fit. <laughs> How can you come to work with this? What? And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get fired. Uh, that's it for me. It's over. I'm gonna... She made me cry. I literally went home crying that day, right? And then she sat down and taught me why. I shouldn't have been wearing it. And it wasn't that it was inappropriate at all. She didn't even think about it. Like, I'm like, oh, I could wear it to work. So what's your deal? Like, why, why are you telling me not to wear this T-shirt? She said, how much, how much did that T-shirt cost you? And I was like, what? What does she mean? And I was like, I think it was like $5, but I won it. I won it. And it only cost me $5, right? but it's a Marlboro. She's like, do you even smoke? And I was like, no, I don't smoke, but it's Marlboro. It's like what everybody wants. You know, you see it on billboards, you see it in, in the subway station. Like that's, that's the thing right now. And she just looked at me and started laughing like a, like a witch, right? <laughs> you children. <laughs> and I was like, ouch, that hurt. I was like, all right, so tell me. And her name is Sheila, Sheila O'Regan Bade, right? She sat down, she says, come over here. Don't you ever, ever wear a name brand anything where they're not paying you to wear it. I didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> I didn't know what she was talking about at all. I was like, but it's a t-shirt and it's my borrow. Like, this is the 20-year-old the in me. Like, what are you doing? Like, here we go. Someone telling me what not to do again. And she said, no, you, you really have to look at that. If they're not paying you, you're a walking merchandise, right? And you're advertising for them. 
for free. <laughs> Stop doing that. And let me tell you, this happened in 1990. So I started working uh, where I currently work at full time and about to retire. I started working there in 1990 in September, right? And I am going to say it was around maybe after probation. It was definitely after probation, you know, because you wear the suits the first, you know, 60 days because probation back then was not 90 days. It was, I think it was like 30 days or something like that. And, you know, that really stuck with me for the rest of my life. From that day on to this day, I try never to wear anything where their name brand is shown at all. And and I try to purchase things that either I can make myself or, you know, something where if it's going to have a name brand, it's going to be my own. <laughs> it's going to be the salty coffee, you know, that I made myself. But that really stuck with me. And so for those who are out there really wearing the Louis Vuitton or the whatever, I don't know anything about brand, you know, name brand stuff. I'm not that type of person um, because I don't see the, I see how things have quality in it that may last, but who wants a bag that lasts 200 years? Like seriously though, <laughs> I wouldn't want a bag that lasts 200 years. Um, I want a bag that just holds my phone and my two, you know, my ID. That's all I want. I just want a bag that holds stuff for me, <laughs> whether that's a reusable bag. And I'm, that's not to say that I dress like a hobo or anything like that. But I'm, I'm more of the bohemian style type of person. Um, you know, but I can, I can uh, adapt to different forms of fashion whenever possible, right? But yeah, why why do people spend $3,000 on a bag? Whether that be a gift or a gift to yourself, why? What is it about the product or the name brand that catches your attention that you feel that you need to purchase $3,000 bag? I don't get it. Whether, even if I had the money, <laughs> I still don't get it. I don't understand it. And maybe it's because of the way I was brought up. Maybe it's because, um, I'm not going to say humble because I don't really like to use that word, but, um, what, cause really to me, if I had a $3,000 bag, I should have a $3,000 mentality, right? When it comes to finances. So you, when you hear people say, hey, you know, this person is a millionaire and you'll see them with dirty sneakers or old sneakers and, and, I, and I look at them like, yeah, like why would they spend $150 for some sneakers that was made somewhere else that didn't even participate in sharing that money with your own community? Why would you? Why wouldn't you wear a pair of sneakers that you've had for 32 years <laughs> if, if, if that was the case? So why, why do we fall into that, that trap of looking at 
things and stuff. So going back to my 32 years of working where I work at and experiencing how higher education has evolved and in in my situation never changed the curriculum okay so i've been there for 32 years the curriculum has not changed in 32 years how crazy is that and now 32 years later because the the place that i work at it's more than so ivy league school and for those of you who don't know, anything that's Ivy League is more than 200-something years old, right? Um, and I sit there and I look at students who participate in the environment and they're science students and they're supposed to be studying sustainability and they're supposed to be studying, you know, how to save the environment. Yet, yet, that's like maybe 1% of the student body, while the other ones, and I'm going to say this honestly, some parents are so caught up in the stuff that just because they have the money to spend on the stuff, they're not even realizing you can take that stuff and educate the ones who can't afford to go to these schools. And I'm not saying that they don't, I'm not saying that there are people that don't do that, but I'm, I'm in it, looking in it. And I can tell you that at one point, because I was able to go to college, right? Within, while I was working as an adult, my union paid for, my undergraduate degree in urban and labor studies. And I did a study of where does the trash go? Where does the trash go? That was a question. <laughs> where does the trash go? Why did I do that? Because I was in charge of getting the permit for the dumpsters, right? And I was able to look at how much was being spent to get rid of the trash. So for those of you who know about colleges, you go in, in the fall, and you check out in the spring, right? From checking in, where you come in with your little luggage, maybe one box or one bin, maybe a garment bag or two, why is it that you leave with a full truck and a dumpster full of stuff. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. So what are we teaching our children? What are we teaching our children that's important in life? Is it stuff? Or is it the author Max and Salty Coffee conversation? Are we teaching them that, you know, and I get it. I get it. You have to sell stuff in order to make stuff, in order to do stuff, in order to live and and sustain, right? An economy. I get it. I get all of that. But what if we all stop buying stuff? 
and start looking at what's really important to sustain this environment. Why, why is it that we get so caught up? Oh my God, it's Halloween already. I go to the store to get, you know, a piece of item and all of the Halloween stuff is already out. People already know who they're going to be, all of that. Why do we get caught up with that? Oh, what are we doing for Thanksgiving? People are already asking me. I don't celebrate holidays. Since the passing of my mom, I've never celebrated a holiday. Ever. Why? Because I feel that every day that you wake up should be a holiday. Your holiday. Every single day. Today is a holiday of when Salty Coffee introduces herself to wisdom. October 5th, 2022 is the holiday. <laughs> Tomorrow is going to be another holiday because I'm telling you, when, when I have stories to tell you about my life, just my life alone, you're going to be like, oh my God, this one has been through a lot. And maybe not. Maybe I haven't been through a lot. Maybe there's people out there that's been through worse. Maybe there's people out there right now who don't have access to a phone, to an app, who's going through something. And that's, that's the world that I want to reach out to. Because aside from coming in here or going through my website or going through all of my pl other platforms, I really prefer to be out there. The only reason I even started this podcast or, you know, the Salty Coffee podcast was through COVID because I wasn't able to, to reach out to my friends that I usually reach out to. And they were like, well, you need to do a podcast. You need to like really get this information out there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> and they're like, well, we need to stay connected. And I didn't even realize that I was that impactful to other people. I never even realized that, how genuinely when you volunteer your knowledge and your resources, there are people out there who are really listening. There are, really, there are people out there who struggle every day because they don't know how to feed their children. They wouldn't know how to um, raise their children by themselves, whether their uh, significant other passed away, or their significant other, you know, decided that that wasn't the life that they wanted. It, you know how many people are out here not knowing what to do? So, so what are we learning in schools? What are we learning in higher education? Why are we spending so much money in education when we can even know how to call a 911? in an emergency. We don't know, and I'm not saying we, as in you, who's listening. There are people out there who don't know what to do. They won't, they're so dependent in the government. And I'm not saying, you know, just here in the United States, I'm talking about other countries too. They don't, they wouldn't know what to do. So while there's a group of people who depend on other institutions, I want you to open up 
your mind today and think, are you an author, Mac? For those of you who just walked in, um, I don't know how long I've been here, but Arthur Mack was an influential person in my life who taught me financial literacy in 1990. And because of him, I'm able to retire comfortably at 55. Granted, you know me, I'm not going to stop working. That's just not how I do. Because <laughs> I'm a New Yorker and we do it, we do it all, you know. But um, can you be an author Mac to anyone? Can you be a, a, an author Mac for me? Because I'm still learning the, the new currency, right? The new way the, the economic system is going to work. I don't know if what, what I invested is going to be available in the next 20 years. I don't know that. I really, I personally don't know that. I'm not skilled or knowledgeable in that. I do hear a lot of changes in the economic system. I do hear that a lot. But can you be the new Arthur Mac for me? Can you be the new Arthur Mac for someone else? Can you? What is it that you are doing today not only to help someone else, but to help yourself. I mentioned earlier that within the 32 years that I worked where I work at, I've always learned something new. I took it upon myself to ask a question to myself and say, hey, how about if you did it this way this time around? Would that work for you? What's working, what's not working? What are the pros and cons of moving forward and just leaving the job? You know how many times I wanted to leave my job, but because of my children, I never did? There were many times that I was like, oh, I've had enough. This is it, I'm done. And then I go back home and I'm like, oof, that renders too. The mortgage needs to get paid, whatever, the car, whatever. And I'm telling you, I'm looking now for a place to retire where I don't have to drive everywhere, where I can grow my own food, where I can live, you know, without the need to buy stuff, right? And to live, you know, a simple life where I can create my own electricity, where I don't have to depend on an electrical company, where I can do hydro or do solar or do something. I was telling a friend of mine, I'm sorry, I'm going to be changing the subject a lot. Um, but I was telling a friend of mine that, uh, you know, she's like, well, well how, how do you want your house? Like, I just want one floor. One floor, because I'm already thinking like, okay, I'm going to be 85. Ain't nobody want to walk up down, up the stairs. Not doing that. <laughs> um, I definitely want at least a three bedroom. So if you're to real estate and you know about real estate, or if you know someone else in here who is very knowledgeable about real estate, I'm trying to interview someone about real estate. So 
you know, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for not a place that gets flooded all the time. I'm looking for a place that the weather is comfortable. I hate the heat. I'm in Florida right now and I'm just like, ugh. You guys see my beautiful hair, right? I have beautiful hair. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, but you know, I, I can't afford to have bad hair days, you know, so I like the cold. Um I went to Alaska, but it was raining the whole time in Alaska. So it's not a good hair day either. And Alaska is not what people think it is. It's not that cold. So aside from saving money and all of that and not, you know what? Now that I think about it, yeah, I would not spend the $3,000 on a bag, right? But I will spend it on traveling. That's one thing that I feel that I've taught my daughters because I made, I made it a priority to at least take them to two trips a year somewhere. And they can tell, and I and I used to tell them because they used to sometimes piss me off sometimes because I'm like, no, we're gonna go. This is their itinerary, and this is what we're gonna do. And they're like, oh, why can't we just go to the pool? And why can't we just buy something? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't know where they get the, the. Actually, no, they're not shoppers like that. But at some point, they had this little thing in their teenage years where they felt like they needed to shop. I guess I don't know. Maybe they were going through a transition. But traveling, take your children to travel for them to see the, another world, for them to see how other people live. And not just the tourist area. You know, take advantage of if you are from another country, take them to, you know, where you're from or your grandparents or your parents are from and teach them the language, let them learn the language. and. You never know. They they may learn that the stuff that they have at home, they either appreciate it or they're like, oh, wow, these people have nothing and they have more fun than I do. I'm always bored. I never know what to do. I never know what to read. And here's this person, you know, having to walk miles to go get some clean water. So I think I want to continue being an author Mac for people, young people, older people, people my age. Um, and sometimes it doesn't even matter what country you're from, right? Because we, we, in my opinion, we're living in a global economy, right? It doesn't even matter where you're from. I think um, financial literacy uh, you know, when you hear people say, oh, there's people that come with $2 to this country and they make it. But, you know, they make it and then their children become greedy. Their grandchildren become even greedier. <laughs> and that that's just my opinion, right? I think I'm entitled to it. Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you don't. Maybe you are CEO of somewhere and say, oh, no. My great-grandparents worked really hard to get what they, you know, what they have today. And I get that. And and again, I don't like to use the word humble. Um, but what would be better than 
to be able to say that your great grandparents made it with a dollar, right? Coming in with a dollar, and here they are with an endowment that's really large, right? Or to say that your grandfather's experience or your great grandparents' experience made you the person that you were able to help other people. And when I say help, please don't think that I'm saying financially ill, like, oh, everybody's looking for a handout. Everybody wants a handout. And we worked hard. And, and I get all of that because I hear that conversation too. Where people are like, why is it that everybody always wants, you know, the person who makes it out the hood, you know, pay them back. What What's going on? And I get it. But what what good am I, right, if I left my hood and didn't leave at least the knowledge of financial literacy? What good am I? So what good am I if I'm just giving out backpacks for schools that should already be providing it to the children based on my tax dollars? I pay New York New Yorkers pay a lot of taxes. <laughs> so we elect these people to fund and budget the money, right? How is it that parents are still having 10-page lists of things to bring in the fall for the beginning of school? Does that even make sense? What, what, what? There's not one parent that I know that doesn't say, oh my God, that list, that list, wow. Oof, I can barely even buy the uniform. That list, now I gotta work 10 hours overtime or 15 hours overtime, I gotta bust my ass now. And I'm talking about single women, single parents, because this happened to me before. Why, why are we doing that? And why are we allowing it? Why do people, elected officials, think it's okay to say, hey, look what we did. We gave out 200 backpacks. <laughs> what did you do for the community today? No, cut it out. Cut it out. If you, if you are a teacher, I appreciate and have gratitude for you choosing that work. But even teachers today have to stick together to say enough is enough. What the hell are you doing with the money? There are people going into college with going into college, having to take remedial courses. What kind of foolery is that? What are we doing? Why is it that when you know a skill, right? And you know a trade and you know, why is it that you come out here and podcast and not one time do you say, hey, I'm doing this for free. Come on in. I got the information for you. You know how many times I've been criticized because I do what I do for free for my community? All the time I get criticized. I didn't even want to come in here because I'm like, oh. Wait a minute, like, no. But I get it. 
collectively, if we have the knowledge that we have, I get it. I get it if you're doing this full time, right? You want to get monetized at some point, right? I get that. But why is it that we can't be the author max to, to other people? I am. Everything I've done for everyone in my podcast has been for free. And you don't even, I don't even like to share half of the stuff because I'm not here to say, hey, look what I did. Look what I, no. My whole point for today's talk is to introduce myself to you so that you can take what you know and let other people and share it with other people genuinely because you want the best for your community, for your people. Not just, you know, in a, in a group team level, but to expand it to other people. There's things that you know that's not related to religion, spirituality, or anything like that, that you can share. How your routine? There's, I'm sure there's people in here, military base, right? Your routine. My grandfather. I love my grandfather, cause he taught me consistency. He taught me. This is what my grandfather said one day. He's like, "Why are you walking around? What's going on?" I was like, "I don't know what to wear." Mind you, I'm ten years old, right? This was in 1980. Right, I'm 10 years old and I'm walking around the house and my grandfather said, what's going on with you? I was like, I don't know what to wear. He's like, listen, if you don't know what to wear, that's because you have too much. You may want to simplify that closet. Make it basic. You're here to learn. You're here to go to school and make the best out of life and just enjoy it. You're a kid. What do you mean you're worried about what are you going to wear? That was my grandfather. <laughs> And to this day, that's, again, that's stuck in my head. Get your shit together. Get ready on Sunday to prepare for the week. Why are you rushing? You know how many times I go on the train and I see people rushing? They spill their coffee. They're, they're running around with a backpack heavier than themselves. Because either they woke up late or... They had things to do, which I get it. Trust me, I get it. And let me tell you, it was not easy raising two girls four years apart. I took a parenting class one time because I had a little, you know, I had I had a lot. I didn't have anyone, really, while I'm raising my two daughters, other than their father, right? And traditionally, the father is just there to support financially, whatever. And I'm not going to say that he wasn't a good father. He is a good father. What I do want to say is that girls are taught at a very young age to be a certain way. And I'm talking about back in the days. <laughs> so, you know, at least for my mother's, you know, point of view is you train your children to become, well, at least your daughters, to become wives, right? That's that's the norm. That's tradition. That's the culture. 
the woman is not supposed to do anything that's related to work, bringing money, none of that, right? Well, that changed real quick. <laughs> she learned that real quick coming into this country that whew, she has to work, you know? But um, why is it that we don't teach our children consistency and we do everything for them, right? My daughters are 26 and 30, and there was a time where I was cooking like four different meals a day. <laughs> Don't ask me why. One was allergic to shrimps, the other one didn't like this, and, and I, I was accommodating. <laughs> I was very, I was a very accommodating parent because I felt like I was doing a shitty job. And because I felt like I was doing a shitty job, I would do everything and anything for them. And at one point, I had to go to therapy and I took a parenting class. And I'm sitting in this parenting class at one of their, the oldest one school, right? And we were talking about, you know, other parents were sharing their, you know, experience of what they're going through. And so I said, you know, I felt bad because what I was going through at the time was not really hard to figure out. And then I'm thinking to myself, damn, I'm not only a shitty parent, but I'm a shitty, like, <laughs> uh, group of parents. Like, this parenting class, I'm very, like, oof. These parents came in with real hardcore stuff. I came in with this story, and I'm going to tell you right now. I came in, and I'm like, they're like, oh, hey. Uh, my name is Wanda, by the way. Wanda, so what do you have to share today, and what are what are your issues with your children, right? Everybody else had that they had math problems, that, you know, they wasn't going to be able to help their children with their homework. There was parents there that didn't speak English, so it was difficult for them to you know, get a translator to help. I come over here telling them, you know, I really have a hard time in the morning because my oldest one, you know, it's winter and she wants to wear sandals. That's my story. And like thinking back now, I'm like, damn, that was stupid. <laughs> that was real stupid. But as they say, no question is stupid, right? Um, because many of us are probably going through this, whether it be sandals or jacket or no jacket or whatever. You know how kids are. They're freaking picky. And and sometimes they want what they want when they want it. And just to let it go and for not to deal with it, we're like, you know what? Forget it. Let me just give them what they want. And we shouldn't do that at all. So this is what I learned. I tell the lady... I'm, I'm Latina, right? Afro-Latina. The person hosting the parenting course is a Caucasian lady, right? So we already have our, you know, stereotypical thing. Because in New York, we've witnessed Caucasian parents who, when their babies are in the strollers, they're not wearing shoes or they're not wearing, you know, socks or anything. Like their feet are bare. And 
as Latino parents, we're like, wow, they're, wow, they they have their kids wearing shorts in the winter. Like, wow, that's amazing. You know, like that's different for sure, for sure. So <laughs> I'm sitting in the class telling this lady, you know, my daughter wants to wear sandals. And she's like, okay, so what's wrong with that? And I'm looking at her like, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> what do you mean what's wrong with that? It's winter. She's like, well, let her wear the sandals. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's just not going to happen. You know, I grew up in a Latina home. This is just me in my mind thinking this. I'm not saying this to this lady or the group of parents. And she's like, no, like, let her wear it. Like, what's the big deal? And I said, well, and she asked me, she said, why do you feel that's wrong? Why do you worry? What is it that you're worrying about? And then I, I, I took a step back and I'm like, why am I worried about it? And I said, well, because it's cold. Her feet are going to get cold. And she said, how would you know? If you don't let her wear the sandals in the cold weather, how would you know that your daughter is cold? Her feet are cold. And I'm thinking to myself, how would I know? Damn it, she got me. She really got me. This woman got me now. Oh, man. Oh, why did I take this course? <laughs> I wanted to be a parent like my mom. Like, you do it, as I say, and that's it. But she also said, it seems like there's something else bothering you. I was like, why? Why would you say that? And she said, what are you worried about? What are you really worried about if you let your daughter wear the sandals out in the street, right? And I thought about it. I was like, is this a trick question? Is she asking me like a trick question? Is this for real, for real? I don't know, but let's see. So I said this. I said, well, I think I worry about what people will say, what other people will say. And she said, oh, really? And why would you worry about what other people say? I was like, oh, man, now she got me. Now she really got me. <laughs> she got me good, good. And she said, and I said, why do I? Like, I thought to myself and I asked myself that. I was like, why do I worry what other people say or think? I said, well, for one, it's freezing cold outside. They're going to think I'm a bad mother. And she's like, do you really believe that? That because you let your child wear the sandals? <laughs> and she's, this is how she's speaking to me. Do you really believe that? That because you let your child wear sandals, that you're a bad parent? Do you believe that? If that was the choice that you gave your child. And I said, oh, man. Damn, she's good. She's really good. This parenting instructor is really good she got me because think about it why do we worry about what other people say when we're raising our children why why do we do that and maybe we don't not all of us but I sure did <laughs> because I was raised that you do that to other people like <laughs> you look at other people and it's like whoa what's going on What's happening? What's happening over there? Why doesn't she put shoes on her baby? That That's not normal. So she said this. Listen, 
put in the shoes that you would, you know, want her to wear, right? Put it in a bag, let her wear the sandals. Let her wear the sandals. In life, we have to let our children experience. We have to give our children choices. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. No, we're not doing that today. No. Give children choices? What, are you crazy? <laughs> this is me in my mind, right? And I'm 22. Wait, I had my daughter at 22, so this would have been... She was seven years old, so I was like 29. Still young, right? I was like, oh, man, this is hard stuff. Like, ooh, I got to let myself go now and got to do all this stuff. This is crazy. This is insane. But guess what, people? What do you think I did? You think I did it? You think I didn't do it? Hmm. I thought about it that night, and I was like, all right, girls, you know, get, I did something different the night before going to school. I was, hey, you know, I know I have your clothes ready for the week, um, but do you care to pick out what you want to wear today? Because I thought about that word choices. Let's give our children choices, right? I thought about that. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should be a little bit more lenient. I mean, the way my mom was with me worked for me. <laughs> I'm a good person. Um, but let's see. Maybe this generation is different. Maybe they're... And, and I, I hated it. I hated the fact that I... At that time, I hated the fact that I allowed someone outside of my culture influence me to do something different. And I'm going to be honest, I hated it. <laughs> I hated that it wasn't someone from my culture giving me good advice on how to raise my children. Because I didn't remember, I don't have a mom. You know, I have no family. And everybody else around me, you know, they had their set ways of doing things that I didn't really, really, really um like the way and I was like oh I'll never do that right so I thought about it that night I was like you know what um ladies girls I know that we have the money to Friday what you're gonna wear you know for the day and this is my oldest child because um my oldest is four years older than the youngest so the youngest I didn't really have too much to worry about because you know she was still in the stroller she's still going to her grandma's house from her father's side and um i thought about it right and and here i'm so messed up in my head right about this parenting instructor telling me let her you know give her choices and i was like all right so i i pack i didn't pack the sneakers in my bag because i was being mean and, I, and I'll tell you what I learned about that. I was being mean. I was like, you know what? Let her suffer. If this is what she wants to do, wear, sand <laughs> wear sandals, I'm going to let her suffer. Um, something told me, you know what? Go put the sneakers in, in your bag. Just put the sneakers in your Stop being so mean. 
And I was like back and forth, back and forth in my head, back and forth. And I was like, I didn't know. I didn't know as a 29-year-old mom with two children. I just didn't know. I didn't know who to call. I didn't know. All I knew was that I wanted to be the best parent ever. So I took this parenting course so that I can cope because based on the description is for parents who need to, to learn new skills on, you know, the daily life things, you know, that you could do with your children, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I'm like, man, like stop being mean and put the sneakers in the bag and let her wear what she wants to wear. So here's, here's my, my set. I think she was, she was in first grade. I don't remember, but she was first grade, whatever. Her feet were small. So she's, <laughs> this is in New York. She's wearing a coat with her little leggings and stuff like that, outfits, with her sandals, her favorite sandals. And we walk outside, and we're by the bus stop, because I have to drop off the little one to grandma's house and then drop her off to school. And at the bus stop, I see her looking at me with it almost like a, you know how when it's cold enough that it's not cold, cold, but it's cold enough to make your eyes tear, <laughs> that cold. <laughs> I see her looking at me with this like tear, like, oh man, I made a big mistake. That was the look she had in her. And and I wasn't even like, oh, my poor baby, she's cold. No, I was like, this is the choice you made, young lady. Because this is the hard thing. Every morning she gave me a hard time because she wanted to wear these sandals. And the, in, the parenting course instructor was right. If we don't give our children choices, right? If we don't say, okay, you have a choice to wear the sandals or the sneakers. What do you want to wear? If we don't give them choices, how would they ever learn? <laughs> how would they ever learn? And I was like, oh my God, I'm doing something different outside of my tradition and my culture that actually real time works. I couldn't believe it that she's looking at me like I made a mistake. I should have listened to my mom when she told me my feet are going to get cold. And it was a like a aha moment and uh I want I just wanted to hug her because it, you know how when you have that look with I don't know who in here has children or you don't have children either way you know how when you look at someone and you can literally communicate with them just by looking at them? That's how that look was. She looked at me. I looked at her. And she had this look in her face. I made a mistake. Like, I should have listened to you. Like, I want to tell you my feet are cold. But I don't. Because that's the choice I made. And I'm looking at her like, baby girl, I got you. I did this because I took a parenting course. <laughs> and the instructor told me, what are you worried about? This is not about what other people think of you as a good parent. Being a good parent is doing that. 
letting your children make mistakes, letting them put on the sandals in the winter, pure winter, right? That's a good parent. Not what other people say. Oh, look at this one. A good parent is someone who actually gives their children the opportunity to be themselves, to, to make mistakes, and you give while you're giving them choices. And so I waited a little bit. <laughs> I waited a little bit, you know, just to see what um, she would do. And then I told her, she finally, like, she's like, my feet are cold, mom. I was like, okay. Well, I did bring the sneakers just in case because I was honest with her. I told her, listen, I took a, a course, a class with one of um, your counselors at school. And I had this conversation with her and she told me, because I don't know if you were surprised when I let you wear the sandals, but, you know, they told me to let you do it, to give you choices. And when I asked you, are you sure you want to wear the sandals? You said yes. So I'm going to take out the sneakers now and you can put on some socks and sneakers. And she just like hugged me and kissed me and with her little tear of, not tear of like, damn, I messed up. No, the tear of it was cold. <laughs> I read it cold. But um, man, the things you, you learn in one class, in one parenting class, but it doesn't override the things that you learn throughout. They're 26 and 30. And I'm going to tell you, is not easy, even when you have a husband, when you have a large family, it's not easy. And I don't know how parents do it today, post-COVID, during COVID. I worried so much about our children locked up in, in a room, in a house, with God knows what environment. I, I just worry so much during COVID because, man, if you're going through it right now, I hope that you have someone to talk to. I hope that you have, uh, and take advantage. If there is a parenting course, even go to PTA meetings, go. I, I was part of their PTA meet, you know, I was actually PTA president for the oldest when she was in high school and SLT, what we call school leadership team, which is the team that provides the curriculum for the school. You know, people, that's another conversation. People are not happy with public schools and the curriculum. As parents, it is our obligation to be part and enroll ourselves to make sure that the curriculum that's being provided is what you want for your children to learn. You know, you have that power. Without parents, there will be no public schools. I, I just have to say that. <laughs> Without parents, there won't be any public schools. So please make sure that um, you become because going back to the beginning, I know some of you came in later on, but going back to the beginning, um, when I started working 
at the place that I work for now for 32 years, be the inspiration that the author, be the author Mac person who will sit with you and teach you financial literacy and will sit with you voluntarily, will sit with you and show you, you know, what they do on the, on a daily basis to make their finance work, not just for the now, but for the future. Once again, when I tell people that I'm 55, that I'm retiring at 55, 52, and then I'm retiring at 55 comfortably, they're like, wait, what? What do you mean? Like, how does that work? Like, and there's people that don't, they all, all they think about is social security. They think social security. And just so you know, social security in the United States is not a bank account. It's not an investment thing. Social security is people who are paying in to support that program or system. And and even, what, 20-something years ago, they said that's not a guarantee for people born after a certain year. It's not even guaranteed. So you do want children to work. You do want um, the younger generation to be working. Because they pay in. Social Security and Social Security is not just for when you retire. Social Security also provides services for um, and financial uh, finances for those who are um, in special needs. You know, families with children with special needs or family of children who are their parents are no longer alive. You know, so it's not just a subset bank account where you accrue a certain amount of granted in order for you to be eligible for it you have to have a certain amount of points right you have to be in that system to get the benefits when you start working right but i mean if they decided tomorrow to be like now nah, we're gonna up the year to 75 you're gonna start collecting and say man who's gonna wait until 75 who is working at seven and they are they're people who are in their 80s still trying to make it because either they were incarcerated now they're out or they were out of the grid and now they're in like there's so many factors of why someone who is 75 or 85 and working. I, I've seen it where I work. I've seen people that don't want to leave and literally had to be forced to, to be gone. And it wasn't that they needed the money. That's all they had, their job. They had no family, no children, nothing. That's all they literally had, just their job. That was their family. That was their child. And so, yeah. So let me introduce myself. My name is Wanda. I go by Salty Coffee on this platform and all the other platforms. I started a podcast in 2020 to empower people to obtain the resources that they are eligible for to either make more money 
get work or get help, you know? And I started it as a podcast because in 2020, the people who I actually work with outside of social media, in person, face-to-face, we weren't able to meet each other. And I figured, you know what? Let me create a website. Let me interview people to tell their story because it's not really about me. It's not about salty coffee. The only thing I can give you on a professional level is my life, my experiences, what I learned throughout my 52 years, how I coped in living in in a city that doesn't sleep, how I managed to still look young and healthy at 52 and getting to retire at 55. That's my profession and that's my wisdom. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um, This is as much as I'm going to say for today. Um, I might not be here all the time. But please share this with someone else. Share this talk. We talked about the author Max, which is someone who taught me financial literacy at 20 years old. We talked about children, my children, (laughs) and and taking a parenting course. I mean, I was really just going to introduce myself, but we talked about my grandfather who taught me consistency. You know, you get up early, live with, you know, live a simple life. You don't need 10 pairs of jeans. You don't need 500 pairs of shoes. You're only walking from your house to the store for heaven's sakes. We talked about where I work at and the stuff. How much we spend on dumping stuff. If I tell you how many students I see picking up packages and the boxes all say Amazon on it, it kills me every time. Because I know that there's they just purchase stuff. So this is how I look at it, right? When it comes to the global economy. I look at it as, well, okay, here are, okay. I live, I work for a place where students live, right? We have 7,200 residents, let's just say, it's a number. And and it's pretty big. It's up there. Out of those 7,200 residents, right, they come in with a certain amount of stuff, right? I've seen pictures from 1970 where a student came with a garment bag, a couple of books, and that, that real small luggage. That's it. Today, in 2020, I see them not necessarily come in a U-Haul truck, (laughs) but during their time there, they have purchased enough stuff to put in this 95-square-foot room to when they're moving out, 
it becomes a U-Haul truck. So when I see some students who constantly are picking up packages with Amazon, think about it. They are not only making the New York taxpayer spend more money now to get rid of the damn stuff, because <laughs> most of it they'll they'll throw away, they donate, whatever. I mean, we did have a system at one point that really worked, really, really worked, where students were, you know, donating the stuff, and then there was a group of students who would resell it. That makes sense, right? That makes absolute sense. But, man, the boxes, Amazon boxes that we throw away a day is more than a dumpster. And we don't, as regular people walking outside, you don't see it, right? Because this so-called trash is being removed at a time where no one's awake. <laughs> no one's, you know, doing anything. Because you know New York doesn't sleep. So how does that work for New Yorkers? When in this particular area and this particular zip code, right? How does that work for that community when they're not purchasing the items from local businesses, small businesses? They're not, um, they're also bringing in more trash, right? Because now you're bringing more stuff and I throw more trash. How, how that hurts me. It hurts me that people don't even think like that. That, you know how many parents call me? Oh, well, you know, these are incoming new students, right? My daughter, she'll be living in this room. And it's kind of big. And, you know, can I get a sofa? And, can I, and I'm like, man, worry about what you need <laughs> and not what you want. You're already being provided with the furniture. So come with the linen, at least two, your laptop, right? And that's it. Tell me how international students, right? Because that's the difference. International students, you go into their room or whatever, clean as a whistle. Military style, that's how clean. But then you go to an American kid's room, shit is all over the walls. I want to feel at home. They got the lighting all over the walls, all over the sprinklers, which is prohibited, but they still do it. They got signs all over the place. They damage the walls. Why? Why? Why is that so important that you make this nine square foot room that's not even yours, your home? <laughs> Why? I don't get it. Can my daughter bring a TV? Why? You're going to be here to study. Who's watching TV? We provide you one in the lounge. What the hell? And post-COVID, let me tell you, post-COVID, I'm so concerned. Because everybody wants to be alone. What are we raising? Why do our children want to be alone? 
that's not cool. Oh, I can't deal with this. Oh, I can't, I have anxieties. We have more service animals right now that you can only imagine. Is it because we gave choices to our children? Is it because we're being very lenient and, and we don't want to raise our children like we were raised? What is it? Why, why do people think this way? Why do you think that it's okay to bring a U-Haul truck with stuff to a place that's not even your home? <laughs> it's not your home. And I'm only saying this because when COVID happened, holy crap. Guess what? They were on spring break and they had to hire someone else to come pick up their stuff. And once again, New York had to pay. My tax dollars had to pay for your stuff, your children's stuff to be removed. If you have children now and they're young, think about that. Think very hard where your child wants to go to school, why they want to go there, and how much stuff are you willing to carry on <laughs> from the West Coast to the East Coast? Because the majority of the students that come to the East Coast are from the West Coast. I don't know why. I think things are different, and I don't know why. We live in the same country. I don't know why things are different on the West Coast. You would have thought things would be the same, right? Kind of, right? But it's not. And every day I wake up feeling like I live in the divided states of America. Why is that? Why is it that there's a state who has better resources for their people than another? What is it about that state that they know that we don't know? What is that all about? Something to think about. Think about all the things that you have today or don't have in your own country <laughs> that you're willing to give to another country that you're not willing to give to your own country. Right here, your neighbors. Why is it that we live in a world today where we don't know our neighbors? We're scared to talk to anybody. Who does this? And maybe you do. Maybe you live in a community that's very close, very tight. But I'm from New York City. We don't talk to anyone. <laughs> we don't. We're scared. And why is it that people are relocating, relocating, constantly relocating? Did you ever think about that? Did you ever think about how and why that happens? Because a lot of people left for COVID. A lot of people died in COVID in New York. And why many people out there do not believe it's real or refuse to even try to understand it or no facts about it 
but don't care to share because they're scared, right? To say anything. Why? Why do? Why are we living where our children are diagnosed with anxieties that they need a service dog or a service animal? What's that all about? Why are our children not able to be free to make their own choices? And maybe they are, but think about those choices that they're asking to be part of. Why is that? Are we actually going to these public schools and listening to what the curriculum looks like and listening to the teachers? Teachers have been fighting for years, especially in New York. Public schools in New York are the worst. But guess what? There's a little percentage that they get what they want. When they want it. How how can I get into that club? Not not to, you know, because I want my children there. But what do they know that we don't know that they get things done for their schools? How How do they get the top notch? academics and our children don't how how is that and why who has the formula for that and why aren't we holding our elected official at a local level accountable why aren't we teaching why were why was all of this stuff removed from the curriculum period i remember getting home economics in high school where they taught you how to clean a refrigerator, how to cook, how to maintain a kitchen, how to make a biscuit from scratch. And why can't our children know that? Why don't our children, why do our children have to go to YouTube to figure it out? Which is not a bad thing. I mean, we should have YouTube University and make it an academic environment where all children can learn what all children are learning universally, right? But again, I know I was going to leave earlier, <laughs> but I want to say for you today, this is your assignment. I know it's 9.15, I came in earlier. Please come back to the replay. I'm still trying to figure this out. I'm still trying to learn this app. I'm new here. This is my first talk. I don't um, know what, like there's no feedback, instant feedback on here. So I'm, I'm not sure how, <laughs> how that works because I'm used to either getting comments or getting uh, recorded comments on my other apps. But um, I feel this is good because I'm able to not get interrupted, not get uh, sidetracked in the conversation, and I'm able to uh, just tell the story while you sit and listen, right? Whereas in the other social platforms, social media platforms, you're constantly being interrupted, you know, whether it be by comments or anything like that, right? So I appreciate that about wisdom. 
But if you have um, a place within here in wisdom where I can learn more, like I had to learn about that little check, the purple, the difference by Googling it. I didn't see it on the app of what that is. But anywhere else where I can find tips or find just the basic information or or if this app is just as basic as it is i love it then i love it because um if you can even get one listener right you know you've done your thing and when i'm a good listener i love that the reason i started podcasting is because I am a good listener and I want to share with others what I've heard other people say or do, right? So today's topic, let me introduce myself, is where I tell you just the basic of what's happened in my 52 years of life, my 32 years of working at the same um, institution that I work for and what other topics will come up later on. Mostly, I feel that with this platform, it would be best to just have a conversation with you of what I'm going through at that time during that, you know, whatever day, whatever it is. If you know of someone who is, because um, I, I did want to share my 32 years experience of working where I work at. It's a higher education Ivy League school. And I think that's where my wisdom comes the most. I've seen it all. <laughs> I've seen it all. I've heard, and, and my experiences there I've again, I've had my good and I've had my really, really bad times. And I want people to leave this talk today with this question Who was my Arthur Mack? And for those of you who just walked in, Arthur Mack was a person that taught me financial literacy when I started working where I work at 32 years ago. Who is your author, Mac, right? Who is the person that taught you financial literacy, whether when you were young, now, or, you know, as an adult? And who can I be the author, Mac, for? So you're going to ask yourself, who taught me financial literacy? If your answer is no, you're going to take one hour every day to find out as much as you can about finances and find an author map, whether that be at your place of employment, whether that, and you don't have to pay anyone. Cut that out. There's so many resources out there. And I'm talking about United States, right? There's so many resources out there. But learn learn on your own, too. Self-taught is, like, awesome, right? So you're leaving here today by asking that 
who is or was my author Mac and who can I be the author Mac to? Whether that be your children. And if you and if you talk to your children, whenever you have a party, talk about it. A party doesn't necessarily always have to have cake and eat it too. You can have a financial literacy party with your kids. Let them do a job. Let them think big. Let them figure it out. You want a party? All right, budget yourself. How are you gonna how are you gonna get whatever it is that you will spend on a birthday party? How how let your children figure it out. Let them work. I used to make $150 a week when I was 10 years old by helping other children do their homework. And what did I do with the $150? Because my mom would let me take it. I would give it to my mom because I knew that she needed it. She never asked for it, but I knew that eventually it would benefit me anyway. Right? So who's your author Mac? Who can you be the author Mac to? And what else? Choices. Are we giving our children choices that are meaningful to our upbringing and culture and, you know, traditions? Are you, are you teaching your children the traditions because it's meaningful and it's fulfilling their happiness? Or are you doing things just because it was tradition or just because it's what everybody else is doing? In my opinion, um, the way I try to raise my children was by not doing what everybody else was doing. Which was to criticize other people for having their children wear sandals in the winter. And when I did it myself, because I took a parenting course and the parenting instructor told me, what are you, what are you afraid of? Why are you afraid of letting your daughter wear sandals? What is it that you're really afraid of? Was it more that she was going to get cold and I knew it? Or was it because other people were going to say something about it? So think about that too. What choices are you giving yourself? <laughs> you know, are you really making good choices? every day if you're trying to quit something right whether that be smoking drinking gambling whatever don't try to do it all at once pick one at a time pick one at a time because Life brings us struggles. If life was any easier, right? And if you have a good life and you have, by all means, enjoy it. But one thing that I do ask you to do is share it. Share with us how you cope with all of this that's going on in the world. Because it's not our obligation to save it. 
we're not obligated to do anything. You know, we're not. But I know that we were all here. We are all here for a purpose. Whether that be to help 10 people, one person, your own children, your own self, to save yourself. <laughs> then that's what we're here for. But I want you to ask yourself, who's my Arthur Mac? Who can I be an Arthur Mac for? What choices am I giving my children and why? <laughs>